praise the Lord, praise the Lord, hallelujah, Pastor Kevin Rollins here. We blow the trumpet ministries. Well, God bless you. Come and join us at Blow the Trumpet Ministries every Sunday, 11:30 a.m. at 1609 Avana Street, the Village Exchange Center building. Well, hallelujah! I'll be coming out of 1 Corinthians 9:13 through 14. We're gonna just go ahead and jump into this. I heard a powerful podcast the other day, and this inspired me for the word. It's called Praying for Church Musicians. 1 Corinthians 9, 13 through 14, Paul writes, Do you know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. This passage suggests that those who are involved in ministry should be supported by those who benefit from their work. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we lift you up right now, Father dear Lord, because you are the provider of all gifts, Father dear Lord. And we just ask that we seek you, ye first, the kingdom of God, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. You know, I'm a pastor that believes that everybody from the janitor all the way to the past, it should be compensated because we all play an important role. When it comes to paying church musicians, ultimately it's a matter of personal conviction and discernment. Some churches may feel called to compensate their musicians, while others may choose to rely on volunteer talent. What's important is that we approach the issue with the spirit of generosity, humility, and willingness to serve. It's important that we approach this issue with prayer, discernment, and the spirit of humility. We should strive to support, support those who serve in ministry, whether they are pastors, missionaries, musicians, janitors, ushers. Hallelujah. We should do so sacrificiously and generously at the same time we should also be mindful of the potential pitfalls of paying church musicians and we should seek to avoid creating conflict or division within our congregations. In the end, the most important thing is that we keep our focus on Jesus and on the work that he has called us to do. Whether we are paid or unpaid, whether we are professional musicians or amateurs, our goal should always be to use our talents and gifts to glorify God, to serve our fellow believers. The question of whether or not musicians should be play, paid is a complex and nuisanced one. On one hand, paying musicians can show respect for their work and talent, and it can help to build a sense of community and collaboration within the church. On the other hand, it may go against the spirit of worship and service, and it can create a sense of entitlement and expectation. We are called to serve with humility and a spirit of selflessness. Jesus himself modeled this when he washed his disciples' feet and said, If you then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also are to wash one another's feet, for I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. John 13, 14 through 50. 15. 
The Bible does not explicitly mention pain musicians. However, there are some principles that can be applied to this situation. The Bible encourages us to give generously and sacrificially to the work of the Lord, including supporting those who serve in the ministry, whether they are pastors, missionaries, or musicians. In Old Testament, the Levites were responsible for the music in the temple and were supported by the tithes and offering of the people. In 1 Chronicles 9.33, it is mentioned that these are the singers, Chief of the fathers of the Levites who remaining in the chambers were free, for they were employed in that work day and night. This suggests that the musicians were supported by the community. In the New Testament, Paul writes about supporting those who preach the gospel and work in ministry. In 1 Corinthians 9, 9-11, he says, For it is written, the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grave. It's about ox that God is concerned. Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because whoever plows threshes should be able to do so in hope of sharing the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? This passage suggests that those who work in ministry should be supported materially. If you know what God has gifted you to do, don't wait around and lose precious time as you wait for a hypothetical fantasy-like perfect moment to get started. Instead, why not put your hand to the plow, begin to use your gifts right now. Once you take that step of faith, God will have something to bless. But as long as you do nothing, you're not giving him anything to prosper. This is precisely why Paul wrote, as every man hath received the gifts, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. See, that's why I believe in the janitors, the greeters, the ushers, everybody. I want to be a pastor that can employ my people and give them a worthy wage. First, I want you to notice that Peter said that every man hath received the gift. The words every man are translated from the Greek word hekastos, which is an all-inclusive word that literally means every single person, no one excluded. This undeniably means that every person who has been born of the Spirit, who declares Jesus is Lord, has been supernaturally endowed with gifts from God. Because the word hekastos is used, it empathetically means that no one is excluded from these God-given gifts, even the person with the lowest self-esteem is mightily gifted. In the Spirit of God, uh-huh, by the Spirit of God, but simply unaware of the powerful gifts that reside inside them. If you think you are not gifted, you're wrong. The usage of the word hakastos in 1 Peter 4.10 clearly means it's you, too, are endowed with magnificent God-given gifts. Peter went to say, as every man hath received the gift, pay careful attention to the word received in this verse. It comes from the Greek word labano, which is used 258 times in the New Testament. It means to receive into one's possession or to take into one's own control, ownership. It carries the idea of taking hold of something and grasping onto something or embracing something so tightly that it becomes your very own.
when used in connection with God's giving gifts, as Peter uses it in this verse, it portrays God as the giver of the gifts and us as the receivers. Then once we receive the gift of God, he sees it is our responsibility to, to accept and take ownership of that gift as our own. Peter wrote, as every man hath received the gift, the word gift in this verse is the word charisma, derived from the word charis, the Greek word for grace. But when the word charis becomes charisma, it speaks of grace given gifts. In other words, these are not gifts earned or deserved, Rather, these are gifts imparted supernaturally and divinely by God's grace. Thus, there is no room for boasting or self-glory in the possession of these magnificent gifts, for these are not natural talents developed by one's own ability. These are supernatural graces that are divinely imparted by the Spirit of God according to this verse. God has graced every child of God with miraculous gifts that are beyond his or her own natural ability, one released and activated, these gifts bring the life-changing power of God into manifestation to meet the answer and human need. God gives us gifts and talents and he expects us to use them regardless of their size. As you do, he will begin to bless the work of your hands. However, if you choose to wait for the perfect moment to develop before you ever do anything with your gifts, You'll probably never get started. Don't waste any more time. It's time for you to start making the most of divine equipment inside you that's just waiting to be released. In conclusion, don't make the gift that God has given you a matter of mind, a matter of money, but make it a matter of the heart. By God being the one who has gifted you, then seek ye first the kingdom of God and he will handle the matter. So don't base your gift on pay. Base it on doing it God's way. Because if you do it God's way, you will have the best of both worlds. You get what you do and don't deserve. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come and visit us at Blow the Trumpet Ministries, 1609 Havana Street, Aurora, Colorado, 80010, in the Village Exchange Center building, every Sunday, 1130 a.m. Hallelujah. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I just ask you to help me, Lord. To discern these God-given abilities better. Bestow upon me the wisdom necessary to develop and use them for your greater glory. Ha ha! Help me keep my purpose steadfast in leveraging every talent you have gifted me with. Father, I want to bloom where I am planted and resist the temptations to compare myself to others. Help me see the ways you have uniquely given to me to serve you and your kingdom. Thanking for you for making me just as I am. Forgive me for the ways I've compared myself and coveted the abilities of others. I pray that starting today, I will see the opportunities in front of me to use my giftings and abilities in fervent faith. I thank you for ble your, these blessings. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen.